You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. but now are the people of God and who had not attained mercy but now have attained. Peter says, you're a chosen generation. Those things that used to exclusively belong to Israel, the chosen, the priesthood, the calling, they're no longer exclusively Israel. Now they're ours. They're the church, the new church. They're the property of every Christian and we have them in greater spiritual sense. Why do we have them in a greater sense than Israel had them? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have a greater spiritual understanding because of God's Holy Spirit. Do you realize the wonderful advantage you have being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God? Pastor Dave encourages you to understand that the Old Testament believers didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but every believer that puts their faith in Jesus today does. You have constant access to God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he begins his message, Israel's Rebellion Against God. We're going to be in Acts 7 as we make our way through the book of Acts today. We're going to be talking about Israel's rebellion against God. So um, get yourself a Bible and uh, look at that. Acts 7, verses 37 through 43. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then the Lord turned and gave them up to worship to the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remtham, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So there was this little boy, and he went to church with Grandma. And it was the first time at Sunday school And as they went in there, Grandma was sitting at the worship service, and the little boy went off to Sunday school. Well, after church, they got together, and on the way home, Grandma said, well, what did you learn today? And the little boy said, we learned about this guy named Moses. And he started to tell Grandma. You know, he was running from this mean Pharaoh guy, and Moses and his army came to the Red Sea. But Pharaoh was closing in fast. So Moses had his engineers build a bridge real quick, And they got their tanks across the bridge. Then when Pharaoh was on the bridge, Moses called in an airstrike and killed them all. Grandma looked at him and said, I don't think that's the story you were told. He said, you're right, Grandma. But if I told you the story they told me, you wouldn't believe it either. This is a funny story and we laugh at it. But you know what? When you think about it, 
The children of Israel saw the Red Sea part. The children of Israel saw the Red Sea open up. The children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry land. They touched dry land as the wall of the Red Sea was beside them. And when they got on the other side, the children of Israel saw the Egyptian army coming fast after them. The children of Israel saw the waves and the ocean of the Red Sea cave in on top of them. And the children of Israel saw every single one of Egyptian's army drown. But the children of Israel didn't seem to believe this, or at least they forgot it when they were going out in the wilderness. They forgot all these things. They forgot the wonderful works of God. They forgot all about the plagues. They forgot about everything that happened to them in Egypt. They forgot about their deliverance. They're in the Red Sea in the midst of it on dry land. They forgot about that. They didn't remember what God had done in their lives. They forgot about the bondage they were in in Egypt. They thought it was so great that they wanted to return. Israel forgot everything the Lord had done for them. So many times in our Christian lives, the Lord does miraculous works. The Lord does miraculous works in our lives in and among us. And we fail to recognize it. We fail to recognize the Lord's hand upon what's happening in our lives. Or even worse, we fail to give Him credit. We fail to give Him glory and honor, even thanksgiving for the works of His hands and the things that He's done. And unfortunately, sometimes as time goes by, as time gets going on, we somehow think that we had something to do with it. And we start taking some credit for some strange reason, like, look what I did, and forgetting the Lord all along. Sometimes we think we even deserved it. This is false thinking. We need to remember where God has brought us and from whence we've come. We need to remember our past, not with longing. Please, don't remember your past with longing, but remember how you were before Christ came into your life, the changes that the Lord has made in your life for the better. We need to remember those things and give him thanks. This is where we find Stephen now in his defense. Remember, since we started Acts 7, Stephen has been on trial. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of power. And he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the council, the religious leaders. And he's making a defense upon the false accusations that have been brought before him. He's standing there with boldness and he's speaking. He's on trial and he doesn't know that this trial will end in his life being taken. And he's standing there and he's witnessing Jesus Christ to this council. And he's giving them a history lesson, if you will. And he starts out by talking about the fathers of Israel, the fathers of the nation Israel, and how Israel misunderstood their spiritual roots. They didn't remember where they came from. They didn't remember how they got there. They thought that once they got into the land, the promised land, the land of milk and honey, they thought that once they got there, that the land was the promise. They thought that the land and the material possessions that they acquired, that was it. That was the promise of the Lord. And because they had all this land and they had abundance of things, they didn't need a Savior. They didn't need a Messiah to take them out. They had what they need, what they thought was God's promise. Stephen's saying, Israel, you've missed it. Israel, you've missed it again. Look at what you're doing here. The blessing isn't the land on which you stand. The blessing isn't the material things which the Lord has given you in abundance. The blessing is the presence of the Almighty God. The blessing is the presence of a holy and righteous God dwelling with you on a daily basis. Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Lord may give you possessions. The Lord may give you great and wonderful things, but that's not the blessing. Those things are all temporary. They're all wood, hay, and stubble, and poof, they're going to burn. They're going to go. It's the presence of the Lord in the midst of trials that that's what we want. 
We want him to reveal himself to us in the midst of a trial so that we know that all things are going to work together for good. We have no idea how it's going to happen. And our mind's going, what? We don't understand it. But God's word says it will happen for good. I'll prove it to you. I will show it to you. We need to trust in a holy God, a holy, righteous God. And we need to remember what happened before. We can't have a, what have you done for me lately attitude. We've got to remember what God has done, what God has done in our lives. It's so important, so important. Stephen's telling them, you missed it. You missed it. It's the blessings of the presence of God. And the only way you can have that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Stephen's telling Israel. You can only have that with a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. He said, the Lord blessed Abraham even though he wasn't even in the land. And you read the scriptures in Genesis how Abraham was blessed abundantly and he never even stepped foot in the land. He blessed them even when he wasn't in the land. We are blessed by the presence of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the presence of God dwelling in you. It's the unio mystica we talked about in the Truth Project. That great Christ in us, the hope of glory. The eternal glory of God dwelling in us. It's his presence that I seek. It's his presence that I want because there's nothing better than his presence. Nothing better. Nothing can compare with the presence of God in my life. And I want that to show, to shine. Stephen accused the Israelites of not recognizing the faith that Abraham had to a righteous God. They thought that just because they were Abraham's descendants, just because they were in the bloodline of Abraham, that that was good enough. No, Stephen says, no, you erred. You are so in error, Israel. There's nothing that makes us righteous before a holy God other than faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot earn our way into righteousness. We cannot work our way into righteousness. And we cannot be born into righteousness. Only righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only righteousness here. We place our faith in him. We place our faith in the sacrifice that he did on a cross Thousands of years ago, we place our faith that because of his sacrifice, my sin is forgiven. My sin is taken away. We have our faith in him. And this faith becomes our work. Yes, our work is to believe. That's what we're told to do. Our labor is to love. But our work is to believe. I can prove it to you. Jesus is talking to the multitude, and they're asking him. In John 6, 28 and 29, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered him and said, this is the work of God that you believe upon him whom he sent. Everybody says, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Believe? No, no, no. What do I have to do? Believe. You believe. Faith in God. In fact, Jesus argued with the Pharisees. He argued with the Pharisees about Abraham himself. Listen to what it says in another passage in John. He says, Jesus is speaking. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen him with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered him and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What did Abraham do? Abraham believed God for the promise, and that was accounted to him as righteousness. Again, What did Abraham do? What was the work of Abraham? He believed. Jesus is telling him, you have to do the works of Abraham, your father. He goes on and says this. Listen. He said, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God nor have I come on myself, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. John 8, 37 through 43. And if you read one more scripture down, Jesus tells them indeed who their father is. Anybody remember? He said, your father is the devil. Your father's Satan. And they went, what? Anyone not born of God is born of Satan. And that's what Jesus said. So Stephen is drawing this conclusion. He's drawing the attention to the fathers. Then he starts to hammer at the patriarchs. You know, the ones that they revered, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob, they revealed them, but he showed how they mistreated Joseph, how they bitterly mistreated Joseph. They despised him and cast him into slavery. But the presence of God never left him, Scripture says in Acts 7, 9. God was with him. God was with Joseph. We see Joseph becomes a type of Christ for us and that the sons of Israel rejected him for the first time. But Joseph actually becomes the savior of Israel because he's in second command of Pharaoh and Israel would have starved if it wasn't for Joseph. They came down to find food because of the famine in the land and Joseph lets them rest there. And when he reveals himself to his brothers the second time, they fall all over him and they mourn for him. Just like God predicted when Israel sees Jesus for the second time, they will mourn him and they will accept him and receive him as Savior. Stephen's pointing to Jesus. He's telling the Sanhedrin, when Jesus comes again, you'll know. You'll know as the Messiah. You'll know. Where did you get those wounds in your hand? Where did you get that wound in your side? Jesus will say, I get them in the house of a friend. Israel will know it was them. Israel will know. See, Stephen's message to the council is very, very simple. It's very, very plain. He's saying, council, you've rejected every savior that God has sent to you. From Joseph on down, every Savior, every prophet that God has sent to you, you've rejected, and you're rejecting this Jesus right now. Wake up and stop rejecting Jesus. Last week, we studied Moses again. We brought Moses into the picture for the first time. Moses is the true deliverer of Israel. He's the only one that delivered Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And you know what? Moses is revered in Israel even to this day. They love Moses. Moses is their deliverer, but yet they rejected him. They rejected everything he did. You can read all through the book of Exodus, all through Deuteronomy, how they continually rejected Moses every time he did something. They rejected it. They resisted him. They rejected it. We saw this parallel between Moses and Jesus as being rejected as a ruler and a judge. God was using Stephen as a powerful testimony in the works and the hearts of the Sanhedrin. Remember, the entire time Stephen is speaking, the Sanhedrin cannot take their eyes off of him. Why? Because his face shined like an angel. The glory of God was all over his face, and they're like, they couldn't resist the words he was saying. They couldn't take their eyes off from, but their hearts continually to grow hard and hard and hard. As we come to today's study, Stephen continues his examination of Israel's rejection of Moses, but he makes this declaration. He's saying, Israel, here's the bottom line. It's not Moses that you're rejecting. It's God. Did you hear that? It's not Moses that you're rejecting. It's God. Likewise, when you go out witnessing, when you're at the grocery store and you're witnessing Jesus Christ and somebody rejects you and they put that out of Peshaw, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting God. That should give us some hope. I'm going to hurt sometimes when you're rejected. It doesn't feel very good, but they're really rejecting God and they're going to have to deal with God. So as we come in today's study, we're going to see that they rejected God in the wilderness. We need to remind ourselves of these things. God will never reject us. God will never reject us if you come to him with a clean heart, if you come to him with a pure heart, a contrite heart, a broken heart, a heart desiring him. And we said outside, God cleans his own fishes. 
God catches his fish, then he cleans them. So he can come just as you are. Just as you are, broken and poor, sinful, and be cleaned by God through Jesus Christ. So as we begin today's study, we look at Acts 37, and we see Stephen now, he's reaching the pinnacle. He's reaching the pinnacle of his defense here. He said, this is Moses that said to the children of Israel, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you will hear. Stephen really knows the scriptures. Stephen is a man of God's word. He's quoting Deuteronomy 18, 15. But if you continue to read this wonderful verse, he says in 18, verse 16 through 18, in Deuteronomy 18, according to all you desired the Lord, your God at Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, at least I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good, for I will rise up for them a prophet like you among the brethren, and will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them, and all that I command him. And it will be that whosoever will not hear my words, which he speaks, my name, I will require it of him. What will be required? There's a penalty for not hearing God's word. There's a penalty for not accepting God's word. We'll talk about that in a minute. Moses said, the Lord's going to raise up a prophet like me. Here Moses is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's promising a prophet to come. Something just like him, like Moses, a deliverer, a judge, a ruler. He's going to be a man of Israel. He's going to come right out of the midst of Israel. He's going to be of your brethren, your own people. We know this happened. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He came, Jesus, to his own, but his own received him not. Moses said, You shall hear him like Moses. This prophet would command the attention of Israel. This means several things. That Israel should listen to him, and that Israel would listen to him, he said, but you will listen. It's so sad. We know the truth. Israel did not listen to him. Israel did not listen to Jesus. They did something quite different. They, along with everybody else, crucified him. They wouldn't listen to him. Remember, the prophet foretold by Moses. He's here. You rejected him. His name was Jesus. Are you rejecting Jesus today in your heart? Is your heart hardened because you're rejecting Christ? Don't be like Israel. Scripture says that their hearts were hardened. Let me give you a clue. Each time you reject the message of Jesus Christ, your heart gets a little harder. Your heart gets a little harder to the word, to the, to the gospel message. And there may come a time when you're not given the message anymore. There may come a time when your heart is so hardened that you can't receive the message. What a terrible place that could be for you. We need to allow the Holy Spirit access to our heart. We need to allow the word of God to do exactly what the word of God was planned to do. It chastises. It encourages. It rebukes. It exhorts. It does those things in us. It guides us. It leads us. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit to allow that to happen. We need to let the Word of God richly bless us and move in our hearts. According to all you desire to do with the Lord in Horeb, he says, like Moses, this prophet, he said, is going to be a mediator. This prophet's going to represent God to the people and people to God. He's going to be a mediator. And it's very, very interesting that the Apostle Paul calls Jesus this very thing. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Paul declares that Jesus is our mediator. He's the one that goes before us to God. He reconciles us to God and God to us. Jesus is our daysman. He's the mediator. Moses said, I will put my words in his mouth. This prophet's going to speak God's word. <laughs> Listen to this. It doesn't get any clearer than this. John 12, 29. Jesus said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me and commanded me what I should say and what I should speak. 
Moses said, this prophet will not speak his own words. There you go. I will require it of him. Like Moses, this prophet's message will be rejected at a great penalty. If you're rejecting God, there's a great penalty for rejecting God. Do you know what that is? Some might say hell. Some might say damnation. Well, you're kind of right. But the worst penalty of all kind, separation from God forever. If that's not hell, I don't know what is. Separation from God. Right now, we're enjoying the presence of God. But as you reject God, there could be a separation there. As we reject Him, if you're on the cusp it right now, if you haven't made a decision for Christ, do not let your heart become hard. Moses says, I will raise up a prophet. We studied about this on Wednesday night. They asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet? John said, no, I am not he. But one comes after me whose shoelaces I can't even tie. I can't even latch his sandals together. One will come in. And then New Testament in Acts, and we studied this in Acts 3, Peter declares that this very prophet that we're talking about was Jesus Christ. He declares that. Now, when we get to verse 38 today's study, we can get a little bit of a trouble. We can get in just a little bit of trouble. It says, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and received with our fathers the one who received the living oracles to give to us. The congregation in the wilderness. The word here used for congregation is the Greek word ekklesia. It means those who are called out. That's the literal meaning, those who are called out. The problem arises is when we go to the New Testament, the word for church is ekklesia. Now, there are those who contend that Israel and the church are the same. That's not true. I do not believe that Israel and the church are the same. And you can't take every time you see the name Israel and replace it for the church. It's not the same. There are different dispensations for both. Different dispensations for the church and for Israel. God will deal with each of them in different ways. You make a mistake about that. There's a different thing. Now, are there similarities between the church and Israel? Absolutely. There are similarities that we can look at, but they are not one and the same. The church are those that were called out, it says. The church today are the ones God called out to Jesus Christ. They can be Jew, Gentile alike. They can be a new group, a new group of people that God has called out. That's the church today, ecclesia. That's our church. They are God's special people chosen by God. Peter makes it real clear. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, he makes it extremely clear. Peter is not talking to Israelites. He's not talking to Jews. Peter is talking to the church, the new Christian, Jew and Gentile alike, who have accepted Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. But you are a chosen nation, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, whose own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were a people but now are the people of God, and who had not attained mercy, but now have attained it. Peter says, you're a chosen generation. Those things that used to exclusively belong to Israel, the chosen, the priesthood, the calling, they're no longer exclusively Israel. Now they're ours. They're the church, the new church. They're the property of every Christian, and we have them in greater spiritual sense. Why do we have them in a greater sense than Israel had them? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have a greater spiritual understanding because of God's Holy Spirit. You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth. 
even when it cost him his life? What courage in the midst of opposition? Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Oh